Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friends Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Larimer, and today I'm joined by Saragon. Sara, how are you surviving the sweltering heat up here in Kaltek? If I could put this camera in the swimming pool, I would yeah. choose that route. It is hot. So it the, is. the place I record from has very little airflow, and so I am currently slowly turning into a sort of slightly damp sponge. But uh, we are hoping <laughs> today to be... Right sort of damp. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we are hoping today to be joined by Michael Morris, although uh, he's having some connection issues, uh, which uh, hopefully will be resolved while we're doing the show. But anyway, uh, Sarah and I will soldier ahead in the meantime. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is South African Airways, SAA which uh, Minister Pravin Gordhan has uh, been championing, as, uh, championing recently as a phoenix rising from the ashes. So recently, SAA has relaunched its first intercontinental flight um, since its major troubles when it looked like it was on the verge of being liquidated. Uh, and this is a flight that will take uh, people from Cape Town International Airport to Sao Paulo, Brazil, and another one from OR Tambo also to Sao Paulo. Uh, up till now, SAA has only been flying, when when it's been flying out of the country, it's only been flying to a couple of uh, destinations um, in Africa, including Mauritius. And uh, Gordon says that this is proof that things are, are going well. And in fact, he also says that the deal, which will see a group called the Takatsu Consortium purchase SAA with a 51% stake um, uh, in return for injecting 3 billion rand into SAA, that this deal is in fact still on. It's just being postponed a little bit by some uh, minor issues. Uh, one of those issues was that the Competition Commission took 10 months to approve the deal, uh, but they also slapped on some restrictions on the deal saying that uh, uh, there must be no retrenchments and that the that Takatsu Consortium's minority partners, Global Aviation and uh, Cyrenix, uh, exit the deal because they are low-cost airline, they, their own low-cost airlines, which they said would be unfair if they were part of SAA. Uh, this deal to purchase SAA was announced back in 2021, but it still hasn't gone through. Um, Godan said, uh, SAA is in many ways, if you take our recent history, an, an instance of an entity rising from the ashes of state capture like a phoenix. A few years ago, we thought that having done all the damage that has been done to SAA, it wouldn't survive and uh, he basically went to say that it's it's on the road to recovery, that cuts a deal, will inject all this money into it, and it'll all be great and wonderful. Sarah, SAA is it's, it's incredible in that the government has pumped so many billions of rands over the years into it to try and save it. It doesn't produce, you know, great uh, uh, returns. It's essentially a subsidy for the wealthy, um, because, you know, it's not exactly serving the poor of the country, uh, particularly. Um, and yet it just sort of clings on just endlessly uh, without anything changing. I mean, we've been told about this deal now for, what, two years? And it hasn't gone ahead. The details are still kind of secretive. What do you make of all this? Well, I think the I think it probably explains why the uh, chairman of ESCOM 
who's just resigned, has resigned, although I hold no brief for him in particular, um, is because I think, you know, when a, when a movable object hits an immovable force like Gordon, nothing goes away. You just keep battering at it until you end up giving up, bleeding and leaving to the sunset. And I think this is probably the same thing. I mean, my first question is, is obviously where did the money came come to pay off the debt unless the government loaned it in in exchange for the Takatsu deal that will still happen and they'll pay them back from that. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I honestly don't know, you know, how we SAA manages to be debt-free. Um, I'm not sure I, I care because I'm not sure anyone will say anything honest about it at this point. Um, but I was just about to make exactly that point, is even if you run an airline well, your margins are very narrow. Um, so if you... In fact, if you run it badly, your margins widen in the opposite direction. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I think Gordon is 90% of the answer. The uh, Competition Commission is probably 10% of the rest of the answer. Um, look, I mean, the Sao Paulo leg should be a reasonably good one in the normal course because it, it's Sao Paulo has always been the hub from which all flights to the rest of South America take off, including um, from, you know, for South Africans. Um, but I I have to say, I'm, I really, really don't know, and I, I still wouldn't fly it if you paid me to. I mean, you couldn't pay me to fly it, um, both from a, a sort of personal safety point of view, because I don't have any faith in the ANC administration, and because... You know, from a from a philosophical point of view, I wouldn't do it anymore. And I mean, I remember the day, well, what, 15, 20 years ago, I can't exactly remember when getting onto an SAA plane still had a little bit of a, you know, that was my carrier, not a chance. So, no. um, and, and I think, you know, I, I think Gordon is so, I, I think, you know, I mean, Gordon will not survive the next election. I'm prepared to put my head on the block on that one. You know, his, you know, I think he was kind of kept in government because he had, you know, his star had risen in his resistance to Zuma on various policies. And he got this undeserved reputation of being this, like, squeaky clean, efficient, great manager or, or, or sort of moral hero or something like that, when he really wasn't. I mean, um, he, you know, when he was finance minister, he was kind of ended our budget surplus. And his management of our various state and enterprises have really not been... Um, too great. In fact, the ANC has already said they're getting rid of that portfolio. They think uh, in the next in the next election, then they're going to replace it with this new, as we've covered on the show, um, SOE of SOEs, which yeah, yeah, maybe. Look, I mean, you know, can it be worse than the Department of State and Enterprises? Uh, who knows? Um, anyway, <laughs> ah, Mr. Morris, good to see you with us. Are Indeed. You back Indeed, I, I'm, I'm sorry to have um, struggled to to join you, but glad to be glad to be with you both. Glad glad to have you with us. And we talk okay, let's. Well. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> nothing stops this daily friend. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> let's let's go let's go on to our next story now, and this is about the South African Revenue Service SARS, which uh, got a lot of people very upset and very worried yeah. and very anxious because they've recently sent out a whole bunch of SMSs. <laughs> 
Um, they say, uh, dear taxpayer, dear tax representative, you failed to submit your income tax returns with reference no with your reference number. Failure to submit the returns is a criminal offence in terms of this section of the TAA. To avoid more administrative penalties being levied against you, kindly submit all outstanding returns within 10 days of this SMS. Should you fail to submit returns, we will initiate the criminal process and send you a notice of intention to summons, all in capital letters. Please ignore if you have since complied. SARS. Um, <laughs> Not exactly <laughs> the most friendly, wonderful SMS you can get from the, from the tax services. Uh, and SARS has now apologized um, for, for, for this, for this uh, message. They said that um, it fell short of their high professional standards. SARS therefore sincerely apologizes for the manner in which this matter was handled. The frustration it may have caused honest taxpayers and any in inconvenience caused. The intended message was meant as a genuine and helpful reminder to taxpayers to file tax returns due and fulfill their legal filing obligations. Most taxpayers are honest and ordinarily appreciate such reminders. Honest taxpayers should not feel threatened by SARS, but unfortunately the way the message was crafted had this effect. The message regrettably refers to possible prosecution of taxpayers for their failure to file returns as they are legally obliged to do. While SARS is empowered by law to remind all taxpayers who are still registered with SARS of their legal obligation to file their relevant returns or the due date, SARS does not commence legal action before engaging with taxpayers. Um, you know, SARS for a long time was kind of regarded as one of the most efficient Department of Government, um, Sara, and uh, as, as kind of this shining light. And that sheen has really gone off it. There's been all these cases of, you know, it was also uh, implicated in the capture of the Zoom years and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, this is, you know, when people are already feeling such heavy tax burdens, when people are already feeling, you know, the cost of living being so difficult, um, this is not exactly something you want to see from your government. It feels very uh, mafia-esque. I don't know. What do you make of this? Yeah, you know, um, it's probably still the best working government department or entity we have. Um, I think the problem <clears throat> is that because the, 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 the amount of tax they're bringing in is dropping, uh, their PR is going a bit out the window. Um, and instead of saying we understand how you feel that ANC has stuffed up your lives in every conceivable way. They are wasting every amount of money you spend. But, you know, we kind of do need to either one. They don't. They say, no, we're going to throw you into prisons, the size of which we don't even yet have, um, to, to cater for the crowd. Um, and, look, I think something is wrong because I just received a tax rebate. And I'm sending it to my accountant on the basis that it can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it might be a sort of the PR might be just a kind of stuff it guys you know we, we you know our, our tax base is shrinking at the speed of light you know maybe the threat is is, is what we need um, because certainly you know being unsympathetic about being forced to have, hand over your hard earned money in the face of it going sort of like, zoop, you know, out and in down the plug hole, not a good look. Uh, not at all. Uh, Michael, what do you make of this? This is, uh, I would say, rather inelegant from the tax service to say yes. like this. Yeah, yeah. And I think it also may be a little bit worrying. Uh, and I think Sarah's right at various points she's raised. One, you know, there, there must be rising anxiety 
in in the in the, in the revenue service, and one does have a sense of this actually uh, from their you know some of their public uh, pronouncements and so on, and certainly in our own uh, engagements with, through accountants and, and and with tax officers, they're anxious to get to the very last cent of things, but. Uh, and 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 because you know people, lots of unfortunately, lots of uh, South Africa's higher earners are, have been left deciding that the only thing for their future is to leave the country. I mean that that's what it comes down to in many many cases, unfortunately. And then lots of other people who just are you know is devoting what uh, one imagines considerable resources to legally uh, evading uh, uh, evading paying excessive tax because the tax is excessive. People are feeding the pinch. So it's all round a very stressful thing. Um, but one has to ask, you know, how easy is it to, to, to send an email like that out, out into the world? I mean, surely it can't be that easy. Um, and, you know, the question is, where were the adults? You know, it's, it's quite an extraordinary thing. Uh, to their credit, they've come out and said, look, you know, we, we, we made a, a terrible stuff up here. And, 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 you know, we do. And they do. They're laying claim to higher standards. We want them to keep doing that. But I, perhaps they do need to be reminded that you know this is actually not good enough. You can't uh, make this get this make this kind of blaps um, and uh, let you know have the, the frustrated, really uh, battling South Africans, as Sarah says, uh, 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 battling under the burden of, of the consequences of terrible ANC policy and terrible decisions, which they've been warned. We've been warning about warning them about them for gosh. Two decades. Don't do this. It's going to cause a nightmare. And so, you know, the government doesn't really have a leg to stand on. We've been. Everybody's been warning that this is whatever they're doing is not the right thing. So now this is a point where you don't actually want to annoy those few taxpayers <laughs> who are still out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what, one wonders whether, um, you know, considering the financial sort of crunch that's going on with the the state coffers that. Um, uh, there wasn't this kind of idea to okay, well, let's try a little bit more of a hard approach and just see how it lands, um, and we'll send out an SMS. And uh, well, apparently it landed badly. <laughs> um, that might explain, Michael, how such a how such an SMS was sent. If yeah, was, presumably it's uh, supposed to get checked. Yeah. Mm. Um, Sarah, what do you make of this? I mean. It, it, there is this kind of air of desperation from government now, especially as we recently covered on the show, the National Executive Committee of the ANC says that it's not really in favor of what it calls austerity, but uh, prefers cost cutting or cost consolidation, um, which is such weaselly words that I'm not quite sure what they mean. Uh, first, I'm just going to point out that Michael and I are the same technical, technological generation because the adults were in the room, which was with the problem with why the SMS went out. <laughs> They were teenagers. Talking <laughs> yeah. another thing altogether. Um, exactly. Yeah. No, look, I, I think it's literally is is a case of desperation. I mean, you know, if you'd said to me, Sarah, you know, what would happen if you received an SMS from SARS saying what they've just said? Um, I would talk about the uh, phoenix dropping from the sky and crashing and burning. You know, that's how it landed. Um, it's about, I think it's a problem of sort of being so insulated in public service that you kind of lose track with what's happening out there, uh, which is a, seems to be a common theme, you know, about leadership pretty much around the world, and particularly in the West, you know, you've got the leadership, and then you've got the ordinary people, and the two shall never meet. I think it's partly that. Yeah, that arrogance of certainty, and yeah, and that they know best, and mm. it's... 
all for us to do is to do what we're told. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. All right, let's move on to our next story. And this is about uh, Home Affairs Minister Aaron Motsaledi, who has been fighting in the courts to get the Zimbabwe exemption permit, which is essentially a, a special permit for Zimbabweans that um, makes it very easy or, rel- or relatively speaking quite easy for Zimbabweans to come and work in South Africa legally. Uh, this was kind of made as an attempt to sort of formalize um, the immigration and make it a little bit more streamlined with you know so many Zimbabweans fleeing Zimbabwe and many of them were doing so illegally. Um, but considering that government is increasingly uh, I think seeking to 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 put the blame for things like unemployment on on foreign immigrants, um, they have been seeking to to cancel the zip, uh, and they've been facing problems in court ever since, because they have been accused by a number of civil society organisations, including the Helen Susman Foundation, of not really following the proper processes, mm-hmm. particularly of consultation. Or, you know, all legislation in government, all changes, major changes to policy, are supposed to have consultative. Um, uh, processes, um, which which kind of mean that everyone gets to to say something about this. The courts have ruled that the way that Mozzaletti did uh, the cancelling of the ZEP, uh, ZEP permits was improper and that he needed to basically go back, start from the beginning and properly consult with permanent, permit holders. Um, however, Mozzaletti has been uh, and his legal department have been uh, fighting back against this. They've been appealing every single decision and this is kind of starting to annoy the judges in the Gauteng High Court who accused him of engineering a storm in a teacup and wasting taxpayers' money for the way that he is uh, 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 appealing some of these decisions, including the fact that even though he has extended the deadline for the extension for, for the cancelling of ZEP to the end of this year, originally it was supposed to expire at the end of June, um, he uh, is still appealing the decision um, to, to say that uh, cancelling it at the end of June was improper. Um, and the, the judge said, I'm not begrudging the minister's right to take it on appeal, but I'm just saying in terms of costs, he's using taxpayers' money. It's mind-boggling. Why, why, why appeal something he is already doing? Um, the minister and his legal department have complained that the problem here is that uh, the courts are not respecting the separation of powers. Now, no one, as far as I know, in the legal cases has actually argued that the minister doesn't have the power to cancel the ZEP permits, he had, uh, they've just argued that the process to do so wasn't done correctly. Um, Michael, what do you make of all this? You know, it seems like this is going to drag on into next year at least. Uh, not, not a great sign, I think, from the for the Home Affairs Ministry's yeah. legal competence on some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think not a good sign at all. Um, and uh, you know, isn't it so true in in recent years that you know we've we've seen spend so much attention on things that are really unnecessary that we don't you know with a complete distraction from the really important things we need to be focusing on. Um, we know that the whole arena of immigration is is problematic for all sorts of reasons poor controls, poor policy or absence of policy. We don't really know who we want, who we don't, how to manage who we allow in and who we don't. Um, and those are really the, you know, the key things that home affairs ought to be looking at, um, not making life difficult for people who are in fact here contributing to the economy. 
um, and uh, you know it has to. There, we and we expect we we accept that there there ought to be controls and and you know immigration has a role um, in in how any state manages manages its affairs. But this clearly is not uh, is not the way to go about it, um, and attracting attention for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, cancelling ZEP to me always seemed as much more of a kind of symbolic move because, firstly, the borders are not properly controlled, as you as you said, mm. Michael. Mm. Um, and also, you know, we get very large numbers. Okay, yes, Zimbabwe is, I think, probably, I can't remember exactly the numbers, but I think Zimbabwe is the largest contributor of immigrants to South Africa. But there are still huge numbers of immigrants from Mozambique, from other countries in Africa, um, from Swaziland, from Lesotho. And all this, I think, will in effect do, if you cancel it, is not really actually reduce the number of immigrants coming to the country. It'll just make more of them illegal, which will open them up to abuse mm. by police authorities and, and uh, border officials to extract bribes from them. Um, Sarah, wh what do you make of all this? Uh, mm. It's really kind of a bit of a mess. Um, I think the, one of the problems is the fact that the problem seems larger then it is. And by that, I just mean that the proportion of Zimbabwean immigrants in South Africa is, it's not a, even, you know, it's not a double digit percentage of the population of South Africa. So um, it's just that I think it's the irony that the impact that they have on our lives, whether we are employing them or they're uh, running spas or shops or whatever it is in townships, is that they, are so relatively visible as knuckling down to it and just doing what they came here to do, which was to earn money to send home or um, to, to 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 spend on their families. So the 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 sort of xenophobic upswelling is easy and relatively easy in those in that circumstance. Um, you know, there's also amongst I mean the movement that. His name suddenly escapes me. Um, that went on the attack, so to speak, uh, in the last year or so, which has now been registered as a political party. Judging by the comments of the leadership, understand nothing about economics. It's, they very much have the yeah. there is a pie, and they are eating into the pie, which mm. is true. But the fact that there needn't be only a little pie, there can be a much bigger pie uh, if the government understood economics. You know, isn't is you know they they're working on a very visceral level. Um, so there's that, and of course there's the other thing, and that is that uh, um, you know, lady does not not come across well. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, I think we did an article recently, or a little news item, on the fact that the banks are opening up so many more outlets for home affairs functions. And of course, you're thinking, well, yeah, the banks are because, and hopefully Home Affairs has agreed because Home Affairs can't do the job. I mean, we've all got relatives that have, I've got two who've had Home Affairs experiences recently and, and, and they were medieval. They did, and, you know, yeah. they were, it was one of those things where you said, Jesus, give me a month in, in that <laughs> particular office and I'll have signs. <laughs> we'll, we'll go through that. I think that's yeah, the problem. No. <laughs> is the lady hasn't brought that to her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, this is 
you know, the, the, this is exactly what happens when South Africans have just, be, we've just become used to low growth, to no increase in employment, no, you know, relatively little increase in employment. Um, and so many South Africans now, as you say, they just have this kind <clears> of idea that there's a fixed amount of resources and we have to fight for our corner. And this is one of those social problems that would be hugely alleviated by economic growth and by job creation. Um, and there are so many others, of course, in the country that would be solved by this. But this is particularly one where if there were just a lot more jobs to go around, uh, the friction caused by major immigration, I think, would massively reduce uh, across the country. Also, you know, if they secured the borders better, it would give people a sense that there's... You know, some sort of government handle on this process, which currently there really isn't. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but back in 2009 or something, um, I was helping my father do something, and we were uh, we were trying to do a show the media. Uh, I think it was an SABC reporter how easy it was to cross the border, and so we actually crossed the border into Zimbabwe. Um, under the fence, which was very easy. There was no one who stopped us. And then, so I've technically done illegally walked into Zimbabwe before. Um, although I don't know. Anyway, I don't think we actually crossed the border necessarily, but we were right on the edge. They were the other side of the fence. Um, so it is, it's a joke currently, and not just in terms of immigration, but also in terms of smuggling. Uh, there are lots of things like, especially cigarettes being smuggled across the Zimbabwe border. Michael, any final thoughts on this? Mm, I think no, none other than to to reinforce the two points that you you both made. That Sarah's one about how easy it is to inflame um, uh, the atmosphere of, of hostility and resentment about foreigners, especially in an election year. This is a big, you know, kind of easy way to generate um, attention and and all the wrong reasons for to have people excited about voting for you. Um, and the other being the. Um, this terrible consequence of people kind of getting to the point where they don't really believe in a future of things getting better, the economy growing, more jobs becoming available, and then literally becoming, as you say, uh, you know, guarding their corner, saying this stuff is mine, nobody else is going to get it. Uh, and if anyone else comes along, it's all, all they want to do is get what I've got, you know, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, quite a dangerous circumstance in which in which to be doing this kind of fighting in the courts where there's so much else that could actually be done to, to help the country. Exactly. Okay. Uh, let's very briefly touch on our last uh, story about uh, just bunch of guys thoughts on this. Um, the EFF is uh, very bullishly predicting enormous success for itself in KZN in the next election. Um, this despite the fact that they recently expelled 62 public reps, mostly councillors, from the party um, for failing to procure transport for their constituencies to attend the EFF's 10th anniversary celebration in July. If you were amazed by the number of people, I don't know if you, uh, how many of our people listening or watching um, saw that massive crowd the EFF got there. One of the reasons they got such a massive crowd was because every single public rep in the country had to procure I think it was at least one bus, depending on their, their salary or position, or possibly two, to get to transport people to that from all over the country. And if they didn't secure that, um, they got fired from the party. Uh, one of the people expelled from their from their uh, from them in in in, in was in fact their former chairperson Busikosa. Um, <clears throat> Sarah, the EFF, and you know we've asked this question before, but 
it has a lot of things going for it. It's got these kind of simple policies, which are nice and radical and you know, try to appeal to people who are feeling a bit hopeless or angry. They have a pretty clever you know, a messaging team. They know how to seize issues and get in the media, all that kind of stuff. But how well can you really run an organization if you're just firing people left, right, and center and sort of running it like a Stalinist dictatorship? Well, you know, the uh, I know there's a lot of concern about the EFF and, you know, the utterances constantly and uninterruptedly. Um, but, you know, th that, you know, that's very much the, the, the sort of Mussolini-esque style of leadership of Julius Malema. Um, but, you know, as far as I know, the most recent by-elections have not they've not done particularly well, um, including this last week's this last week's by-elections. Um, hell, who knows? Maybe the EFF will lose ground because it's going to fire itself. You know, there'll be no one left. And, uh, <laughs> It'll just be Malema with a megaphone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michael, and your thoughts? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember looking at the at the um, the footage uh, of that kind of operatic scale rally in um, in July, was it? Yeah. Um, and thinking there's something kind of implausible about this. You know, it just doesn't make sense for a party of the scale that we know we know now the repeated. Um, just, just to emphasize yeah. that point, something like ten percent of every of of EFF voters in the whole country were at that rally. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, so, um, you know, the, clearly there was something something strange going on behind the scenes, and and, and here we have <clears throat> here we have the evidence of it. Um, and Sara says, if they keep keep fighting uh, their own members over inability to deliver the goods at, at these uh, at these grand sort of impresario staged <laughs> events, um, there's not going to be much of a party left. Um, and I, I guess that's probably quite encouraging in a way. I mean, uh, we can take some some comfort maybe from this, but it doesn't it, it doesn't yeah it doesn't show uh, a party that takes itself very seriously, quite frankly. Can I just yeah. say, with regard to the you know, we, the, one of our guys says uh, Malema is a little Nazi. Well, this I think the staging of this rally was his Lenny Riefenstahl moment. You know, yeah. she was the filmmaker who who did those extraordinary productions of the of the Nazi rallies in the 30s. Yeah. And I think this is, I mean, you know, the shots from below, the raised arm, the cheering crowd. I mean, this was that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, extraordinarily creative that was, actually. Mm. Yeah. It yeah. was it was uh, quite worrying in a way actually too you know despite what we we know about this, the significance of the EFF uh, electorally nevertheless i think you're right it, it, there was a certain kind of chilling element to it um yes. that a party well, that has self belief you know so, exactly they yeah. they understand the um the politics of of, of sort of power yeah. and strength and spectacle yeah. Um, yeah which are not to be underestimated in their effectiveness no. No. but um all right, let's uh, let's end with some bad news, um, which is that apparently the Redro uh, fish spread and Pex anchovy paste are back on South African shells. Um, <laughs> I hate these things. I really despise them. One of my one of my friends back in school uh, would always get some of this fish paste in his lunch, and then when you had to sit next to him, it was 
the worst smelling thing on earth. <laughs> so this is a dark day for South Africa. <laughs> I apologize to anyone who likes fish paste, but good, goodness. This I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to have to take okay. it to my sister if I visit her in the States. I used to have to take her bottles and to yeah. know yeah. from me, you know, stuff the Republicans and the Democrats and the Ukraine and Israel and all those. There was no fish paste. Uh, anyway, yeah, I see. Oh, well, I'm see sorry, the, I'm sorry about that, uh, Nick. I see everyone in the, in the comments is celebrating, but anyway, <laughs> um, with that, we'll close for today. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, let's hope that uh, South Africa wins the rugby, uh, because that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Anyway, cheers.